0: All right. This is the Worldviews All of Life podcast with your host Daniel Lundsted. This is the second episode of the show, and this and I'm very, very happy and very glad that it is not just me talking today. Um, I actually have someone who I consider a friend, even though (laughs) we haven't spent a whole lot of time with each other. Um, He's a coworker. He's a friend of mine. His name is CJ Weeks. Um, And again, sorry for. Such space between podcasts uh, that hopefully won't be the norm. Uh, I was on vacation. You know, I have a bunch of excuses, but whatever. I'm not even going to say them. I'll just apologize. Hopefully, I'm shooting for uh, a podcast every week or two. So hopefully, this is um, an un- an unusuality. This is not something that's going to happen all the time where there's such a space. Um, but okay, enough of that talking. Enough of me talking. The, the main reason we're having a podcast today is we're gonna, I'm going to have a conversation with, uh, with CJ. Uh, We probably come from somewhat different perspectives uh, on issues, but I think there's a lot of common ground we also have too. So again, that's kind of one of the reasons doing this podcast is just for the sake of discussion and dialogue and and just understanding like where different people come from and where different worldviews are. So enough of me though. Um, I'm going to have CJ introduce himself a little bit. Um, So CJ, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to call you a friend as well, Daniel. (laughs) Awesome. Um,
0: (laughs) All right. So so. I, yeah, so tell us a little bit about your um, educational background. Uh, What are your kind of your areas of study, your areas of interest, and also uh, what like some of your future plans are, Um, just some of the stuff, or just, and just a little bit about yourself.
1: All right. So uh, I'm from a small town called Bedford, Virginia. I went to uh, college, uh, graduated from College called Randolph College. Uh, uh, I majored in English literature and double minored in uh, art history and Renaissance studies, kind of stumbled into the Renaissance studies minor, just happened to take enough credits. And uh, one of my advisors told me that I could put in the paperwork to um, get that credit. Um, uh, So uh, my main, uh, I guess, academic interests at this point are kind of the relationship of knowledge to the world, um, the relationship between theory and its object, um, and the kind of like ethical implications about the attitudes that we um, take um, in those practices. Um, So, and as far as future plans, uh, I would like to continue my studies and maybe in a PhD program or a master's program. Uh and
0: yeah. So but awesome. Awesome. To- yeah. yeah. And so I guess I'll kind of preface our, our listeners a little bit. So we met, we so we're both uh we're co-workers, we both uh, substitute teach, and when we met and we had this day where we, we didn't have any students, and it was just us, and we talked the entire time, and it, and it was a very um engaging conversation. It was uplifting and, and it was a great dialogue. And I was like, you know what? Uh, when I start a podcast, he's going to be like the first guy I have on. So, so I'm, I'm really I, looking forward to this conversation and yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this should be really great.
0: Yeah. So, it. so obviously this podcast is about worldviews, at least it's going to, you know, obviously we're in the early stages of a podcast, so it can definitely evolve into, into different things, you know, we'll do a lot of directions. And so the topic that I want to talk about today, um, is something that will probably be addressed in a lot of future upcoming podcasts Um, but I specifically want to focus on it today and we're gonna this is gonna be kind of more uh, a free-flowing discussion Uh, probably just do a couple different questions but the main goal is that that discussion that dialogue and just like where we almost you know trigger each other's like minds in a sense I I don't know if, if that I hope that makes sense. But uh, so I'm probably just going to ask a couple different questions. And actually, it might end up being where I ask one question and then it just, you know, snowballs into something else. But, you know, enough of this uh, preliminary stuff. It's probably boring the listeners. Let's get into the let's get into the dirt. Let's start digging. Let's get into the nitty gritty. So what we're going to talk about today, obviously worldviews. So we're going to talk about the American worldview. What is the average view? Or or let me get more specific. What are the contributing elements that make up the worldview of the average American? And so that's going to be a question. We'll start, I'm asking you that question. And obviously, we're not going to be able to answer this comprehensively. That would probably be impossible. But we're just trying to get like general, broad concepts. Like what are the major influences on the average American? Like in so if that kind of makes sense. So I guess I'm asking you that question and the floor is yours, my friend.
1: All right. So I mean, obviously, this is a a, a difficult or there's uh it's kind of a general question, and there are a lot of uh various factors that uh um uh that intersect and contribute to the average American worldview. Um, and what we consider the average American is also something that's uh, kind of like a a cultural um, up. For like cultural constitution and uh uh so but i guess uh where i would maybe start is uh renaissance ideals of um the kind of implicit decision that uh our founding fathers had um are made that um towards ancient greek and roman civilization uh, and in that, deciding that these were civilizations and cultures um, worthy of emulation, and uh, would were fruitful um, foundations, I guess, for um, a society. Um, and uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And then, I guess, and it also, uh, I guess, the implications of such a decision. Uh, have led to uh, a certain veneration of scientific achievement, technological progress, democratic, um, politics, um, li- uh, yeah, uh, liberal in the kind of like 18th century, um, uh, sense of the word, um, referring to kind of just, uh, kind of free, uh, market societies, uh, um, based on kind of like a conception of the human as an individual um, constituent of the state um, uh, and with a certain kind of yeah like personal identity
0: yeah
1: and I think the, so you know, sorry do you have something to say
0: no, no no I was just I was gonna apologize yeah I apologize for I guess the overall broadness of that question because I think and I, I really like what you touched on and and how we're kind of just seeing what, what was the, the like nascent, like part of the American worldview, how it grew and how, and how it like its beginnings in a sense. And um, yeah, so again, I apologize for the broadness of the question, but I think, uh, but I I like your answer. And I guess, and so I guess what all, I guess what I'll add to that, and you probably were going to talk about this is I think it's interesting. I, I probably come from the perspective where I see the influence. So you said the Renaissance, I think where I see the influence, the influence of the reformation, you see, and, and which are two, obviously disparate movements, but yet we're at the same time, you know, at the same time in history, more, you know, you know, here or there. Um, but I think you could almost call like, it, it's just, it's an interesting sort of, like some of these ideas that flew out, uh, that came out of the Reformation, such as like, you know, individual liberty, uh, in the sense that like removing oneself from the authority of, uh, you know, the church, which that was a con, you know, the Catholic right. Church, like those so, some of those things, and like you know, Protestant work ethic, all those factors that also contributed to the American worldview, and that played a huge, massive part in the original like settlements and colonies like those you know 17th century like the puritans uh, the separatists you know right so, yeah anyways yeah yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i was actually yeah i was heading there and i think you kind of like picked up on that a little bit um yeah i think that yeah the reformation and protestantism yeah you can't um neglect or underestimate really um the influence that that had on the american identity um, and I think, yeah, like, like I uh, mentioned, that um, much of the American worldview is constituted from this or uh, takes place within this assumption of the human as an uh, individual within society with their own personal kind of interests and, um, uh, yeah, uh, identities and uh is some is a product to some extent of the protestant reformation and the um, detachment from the church as the orienting authority and being the kind of vessel and medium through which you gained access to god Um, once that once the church was diminished and people could um were given kind of license to um form their own personal relationships with god it um accelerated it Um, encourage this kind of um, construction of the personal individual identity that made um, America possible.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess real, really quick aside, obviously this is, this is my first time interviewing at someone. So if I, if I'm a bad interviewer, let me know, but (laughs) anyways, that's just how to do a real quick note there, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I think that's a huge part of it and I think and one of the biggest things that I think we're going to get to and like kind of talk about more is the idea of the American experiment the well, I mean that's what some people call it like the 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 idea of America as a sort of synthesis uh, to talk in like in a dialectic ter- in like in dialectic terms I would almost call right, it a right. synthesis because you know you have these enlightenment ideas and then you have like you have you know renaissance which then you know then the enlightenment comes along. And then you also have the, this, these Protestant ideas of what's called, you know, biblical Christianity, a, a Christianity that's, you know, rooted in scripture and scripture alone solo scriptura. And it's kind of separated from the confines and the um, the, uh, the, the church, you know? So, and, and in a sense, this America is almost like this sort of synthesis between these two movements and both of them elevate human freedom but it, it's so to a different end and it's and it's from a different philosophical presuppositions and if that makes sense there but <laughs> right right yeah, yeah uh
1: yeah i think it's interesting the um that you mentioned this kind of uh shift from um uh clerical authority to like scripture as the basis of um theology um which uh yeah is obviously influenced to a great degree by um the printing press um being invented um Hmm. in that same um era and giving people access access to text in a way that they were not uh, able to previously um and yeah i mean i think it's also interesting uh, to consider how um, the this kind of yeah the way that yeah this proliferation of texts um, simultaneous to this kind of detachment um, this extrication from clerical authority in which they kind of guarded interpretations of the Bible um, and and now like since people don't have to uh go through the clergy or the church necessarily to um uh uh access a text and thus like they aren't necessarily um influenced by this kind of standardized interpretation that it's Mm -hmm. kind of led to much more literalism in uh american christianity um and And uh, because people don't really know how they don't feel like they have the authority um in which the church had given itself to take to have allegorical um interpretations of the text mm. to have metaphorical and figurative text um because they feel if they don't take it at its word, they're like you know um, undermining or you know speaking a heresy
0: yeah and and that it's interesting like I, I would consider myself a product of sort of that you know i guess the other term for it is sort of fundamentalism um right you know this kind of evangelical movement that you know we're back to scripture back to just the core of the gospel and and as i said i appreciate a lot of that movement but i i do think that it and, and i still like would probably adhere to most of the tenets of that it's just i do think it kind of limits in a sense you know interpretation and and the scope of which like an individual can engage in the social life or intellectual life. I do, um, and it's an interesting, right. you know, and and a point I wanted to bring up that I think. So I've been reading this book uh, called "Escape from Freedom" by um, Eric Fromm. It's kind of a pretty famous book. I think you you might have heard of it. I've um, heard of
1: Eric Fromm, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really familiar with him. Yeah, and and ahead. he
0: he's he comes he's a psychologist, but he comes from a, a different. He kind of talks about the fact that that the. That while there's this new freedom emerged, you know, the Protestantism and also the emergence of, you know, capitalism kind of at that same time um, emerged that there was this, obviously there's this new freedom that man could kind of do whatever he wants, he had the chance to do whatever, but at that same time, he felt very disconnected from society and he's also he felt isolated alone and and freedom is and i think i'm getting to his main thesis i'm only halfway through the book but um but he i think is the idea that freedom is scary and this i you know and this idea that freedom untethered from a sort of you know, like once the external restraints come off and you get these liberty, then then the internal restraints, like, you know, all these fears, you know, these tensions, these conflictions that we all internally have, they come to the surface and you're just as enslaved as you were. But it's from on the inside. I don't know if that made sense, but I guess oh, yeah, we're, kind does, of, does. we're kind of shifting. I, I hope for our audience, this is probably going to be all over the place, but that's how I like to talk. <laughs> like That's how I like to conversate. But anyways.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I totally get what you mean. I actually discovered a poem that I had written a couple of years ago today um, when I was going through my uh, files called uh, Freedom Reaches for a Habit. And uh, it's, yeah, it gets at this idea that you're talking about, that freedom is scary, that um, we like to uh, have limits and we like to operate within channels. And uh, we almost invariably give ourselves... Um, a certain kind of uh, set of options, or a certain like set of possibilities that we can own, that we can manage at a certain time, or that we can consider at a certain time. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Freedom is daunting, <laughs> and <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it, it's yeah. filled with all sorts of like ethical um quandaries and you know it's kind of like uh and this is this is also kind of like leaping to another place but you know i think that um nietzsche often gets represented as um this kind of like amoral um like nihilist uh, (laughs) yeah nihilist who has no regard for ethics and his whole like concern was to like dismantle moral authority and I think that to some extent that's true, but I think that that what his ultimate goal was, was to get people, was to um, uh, motivate people to not rely upon given uh, intellectual and ethical and moral systems to justify their behaviors and to, like, just... Kind of impl- just uh impose that on the world constantly as a certain kind of rationalization mm. um and a fallback and he's kind of imploring us to consider for ourselves the particularity of our experiences and to not yeah fall back again on these kind of um systems that just uh reduce the world to um, a vestige of itself, of, mm-hmm. a vestige of its complexity.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that vestige of its complexity. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you bring up Nietzsche. I haven't specific. I, I want to like read more of his works. I mean, I know of him like, from like a, you know, secondary source level, I guess you could say, but right. you know, it's, it's interesting that there is this sense and coming from, obviously Nietzsche was, you know, he rejected his faith, you know, when he came to college, he, he, I think his dad was a pastor, if I believe, um, and he rejected right. his faith and, and he, but he wasn't, you know, and, but the interesting thing is, I think you could almost from the more Christian perspective, it's interesting how like the restraints of the, you know, these external restraints of the church and allowing, and Christianity to become more of a relationship and more of a subject, subjective, excuse me, um, f- like personal faith experience, I think, and having it be where there's still this sort of where I guess, obviously, conflicting with someone like need you, there's still this idea of universal truth, but it's grounded, you know, but it's not found in any sort of earthly authority. If that it's, it's right. you know, um, but I'm actually so to steer the conversation a little bit here, and um, and I think obviously I want to do a full episode on the American founding, like that's a little more you know structured and stuff. But I guess turning back to the American right. founding and this kind of idea of freedom and, and the American worldview is so. What I learned, and something that I am learning, is that the American system, like this idea of a federated republic, you know, I, a lot of people say we're a democracy. You know, I I think it's just more for you know not to get into semantics, but like. This idea, uh, so James Madison, pretty famous quote, he, he basically said, and paraphrasing a little bit here, that the Constitution is only for a moral and religious people. Those are like this, sta- this, this way of government that we have, this, this thing that's never really been seen, this thing is this kind of a synthesis of, of different ideas from the classics, from the Bible, from right reason, you know, all these things. It's only possible if the people is moral and religious, And so I guess my question to you and how, and like, I think where I'm turning this discussion is, so since that now, arguably given thinkers like Nietzsche a lot of these external moral and religious restraints or, and a lot of these, you know, and, and or even like just faith in like objective values and absolutes coming from a External transcendent power—a lot of that's starting to disappear. I mean, we see church attendance is is below fifty percent. I think for the first time in the United States recently just came out. So, given all these things, like—and um, I'm losing my train of thought. I actually what the question I wanted to say was. But given all these things, um, where does that leave the American worldview? Because we we still have like these these residues, um, these in a sense uh, uh, this these hauntings of our religious past and of our Judeo-Christian. And they're obviously like, there's the evangelical movement and there's, there's still Christians today, like, like myself, you know, but, but I would say for the most part, our you know, our way of government was for a moral and religious people. And since I feel like a lot of those were changed are coming off. We, are, we live in a way more pluralistic society. Like where does that kind of leave the American worldview? And I guess the American system at large. And I'm so sorry, that was the longest worded question I think in podcast history, but <laughs>
1: Oh, no. uh, i listen to this podcast <laughs> called between covers with david naman and he, he gives these like very like long like questions that like they're like essays but they're <laughs> <laughs> like, but, but it's a question and so yeah, yeah. but he's you know he's like you know top of the game as far as like you oh, know literary yeah. interview, interviewers but mm-hmm. in any case to get to address your question you talked about um this kind of like faith and objective values and um a tra- transcendental like signifier of a sort that um, stabilizes the ground of reality that we're that, yeah that we're losing faith in that and i i would um complicate that notion a little bit okay. because that's what i want um, <laughs> because i think that yes that you're right that religiosity is um generally on the decline um and i and, but as that happens, there's this kind of like transference that occurs towards science, scientism. Mm. And, and I mean, I know mm. scientism sounds like <laughs> I'm a, like anti-scientific or anti-science. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Call it like that. But, and I'm not discrediting the achievements of science to like, but I think that there is this parallel attitude that gets projected in science that is akin to a religious attitude in that there mm-hmm. are objective values, that there is um, certain truth to be found and that there is a transcendental um, like signifier, in a sense, in the form of natural laws and nature itself, I guess. Um,
0: nature you know, is their talk- God, essentially.
1: <laughs> right, and you yeah. could talk about that as um, how that contributes to environmental um, movements and environment- environmentalism and whatnot, and also not necessarily to discredit their, um, their pursuits or whatnot, but to understand in some kind of appropriate sense, the practice and the, um, uh, I guess the principles as being a certain culturally contingent, um, phenomena, uh, that is interconnected with other, um, cultural movements and, and, uh, But yeah, I think that, that science and religion, um, work towards like fundamentally similar aims. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I don't think that necessarily there is a, um, that people have totally, um, given up on, uh like relented at this kind of like pursuit to find ultimate truth and objectivity so in a
0: sense they it's kind of just that basic idea of they've replaced this sort of supernatural like the supernatural for the natural like there's kind of this been exchanged from and there's like this you know the the naturalism which i think is what you're referring to which kind of flows flows from the enlightenment um generally and there's kind of this belief i feel like. That there's almost this idea that science is, you know, and you'll see this in some like the the whole like new atheist movement, you know, like Richard Dawkins and those guys who I, I, I think are I think even <laughs> I, I think are absolutely ridiculous. And I not to like be I'm pejorative, not, really that not, with not them, to, be to be pejorative, no, yeah, not to be pejorative, but like in the sense that they elevate science to they're they're so anti God, but they elevate science and human reason to the level of God, and they essentially just oh. It's just, and they just, they absolutize, so, in, and in the sense that, and there's almost this, this prevalent, I feel like, idea today that science is just so, like, irrefutable, and it's like, you don't believe science, you know, this sort of thing, but, right, but science is is something, it's, science isn't like an absolute, it's a, one of those things, it's a tool, you know, it's a way we just, dis- and it changes, like, constantly, you know, through more, right, right. you know, and experimentation and exploration, all these things, so, right. Yeah, so I think I'm. I think we. I think we're on the same page here with. I, yeah, I yeah, want I to mean, say like, recently, we're definitely. I'm not uh, a science guy though, generally. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. I mean, I have like a kind of you know just. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have an interest in science. I'm not you know I didn't like study science in school necessarily, but you know I, I like to read the philosophy of science. I like to. Mm. I like to read. Uh, uh, texts uh, that like popular science texts that try to. Um, kind of explain uh, concept um yeah physical and quantum physical like concepts to um average people to laymen. and it's interesting that we like yeah use that term layman to refer to like you know like to put uh you know like when we uh to translate jargon from like scientific um the scientific world the scientific culture into like you know the more um popular um world of the the masses we use that term to put it into layman's terms which is you know a a religious term Um, Uh, and (laughs) uh so again there and you could almost argue that like science guards its principles its truths um even more um aggressively than religions have um and that it kind of, that, or maybe not, yeah, maybe not as, (laughs) like, because there are, like, religious wars, but there's a certain kind of, uh, this kind of mental um, sequestration, I guess, between, you know, the people who practice science, scientists, and everybody else in the same way that there is, that there was between, like, priests and Mm. uh, and clergy and, and the lay, people and uh and yes and and like yeah i recently read this book by uh, a guy named thomas kuhn it's called the structure of scientific revolutions and it's a pretty famous book uh he he's kind of uh came up with this idea of the paradigm of the scientific paradigm that Mm -hmm. orients and uh guides scientific practice at any given time and he talks about he he gives this example of a guy and like I think like the nineteenth century, who submitted uh, a paper to a scientific journal in Britain, who and when it and he forgot to put his name on it or something, and it was rejected, and the person and he was dismissed as a you know a paradoxer, but yeah. then he resubmitted it with with his name, and he's he was a fairly prominent like scientist at the time, um. and when he resubmitted it, it was accepted and you know praised. <laughs> like so, there is this sense that. Yeah, like you have to uh, ground your claims in a appeal to uh, scientific authority, an internal authority, <laughs> like an already given and accepted authority in the same way, and maybe in a more regimented way than you might find in religions.
0: <laughs> yeah, and to use a much, much, much less scholarly anecdote... Um, there's an episode of South Park and obviously Matt and Matt Park and Trace Stone are, are the furthest thing from Christian, I would say, or maybe not the furthest thing, but, but they, they, they because there's this atheist idea that like you know this heavy i would say more not necessarily atheist but scientist like uh, scientism idea scientismist i guess we'll say that um that that like if religion was you know abolished if there wasn't a religion then oh we'd, we'd live in perfect harmony you know there wouldn't be you know and and right. and as you said earlier like there's you know but there's the, these people act with such like a virulent um hate you know hatred and 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 like passion towards anyone who like doesn't believe in it. And there's like and the funny. Okay. So in the episode, what happens is like there's like this future world where religion has been abolished, but all the the different groups are still fighting against each other over some like you know, innate, like um inane like argument, like over like the what like, they want to well, like call whether like
1: yeah. the nuance <laughs> yeah. or something like yeah, that. Like they, yeah, what like what they what they
0: want to call their like you know, their um their atheist society. So the the point is is like I think. It, when science gets elevated so high that and then for, and they pit it against religion they they don't realize that there's almost this lack of self awareness, I guess you could say wherein they're pretty much exchanging the authority of the church and of scripture for you know these, you know these like, as you were saying, like these elevated scientists, or these people, or these certain experiments, and that's an and an, a mind blowing example that you gave. Though I, I didn't, I had not known about that. But um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, and I, again, I like,
1: <laughs> and I'm not necessarily like saying this to like say that you know science is hooey and yeah, uh, we oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, like but like because like science does like arrive at like substantive claims um and conclusions and um it, the knowledge that it creates can be instrumentalized in the world and in the same way you know religion like the knowledge that it um creates can also be instrum- instrumentalized in the world but in different ways um and you know science often you know its achievements its um in- instruments of uh i guess like validation uh are often like represented in the form of you know like technology and um you know uh, discovery and invention uh as religion often that the technology that it is able to create is of a more interior and sometimes and a, a social variety um and not to say that yeah science doesn't have like you know doesn't contribute to the social You know, um, uh, (laughs) the sociality of our uh, being, (laughs) but yeah, uh, yeah, it's. I think that religion um, maybe operates uh, in term in communal terms more readily than science does because it's always striving to place itself in this kind of like uh, transcendental. Uh, but I, I guess you could say religions doing the same thing yeah I don't know I do but uh, yeah I guess the, the biggest point I can make is that they operate differently and <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: yeah it's like they operate differently and I, and I, and I think but they're also I, they're not um, you know mutually non-compatible um, like blanking on that correct way to say that but they're, it's like I think it's a false like I think most serious scholars at least in philosophy and in like some of the hot you know certain sciences I would say I think most agree I think the general consensus is that it's a somewhat of a false dichotomy that you know faith and reason and or more I guess you say more religion and reason are like oil and water you know I think that's kind of a false dichotomy um you know I think in the sense they they work together and and I guess and trying to you know and steering it towards the just the modern American worldview. It's just, I find that, you know, <laughs> I I call it the the cesspool. Um the front page, like for example, like the front page of Reddit, there's so much contradictions just in like in the different support, you know things that people support. And I guess that's gonna I'm gonna kind of segment like try to segue into a, a next segment, which is still related to what we're talking about, this idea of contradiction within the American worldview, because we've talked about, you know, the relationship between science and religion to a degree, we have talked about some of those early um, foundational things to the, like to the American idea, like kind of this, you know, this, this synthesis or duality between, you know, the reason the enlightenment, and then also like biblical principles. So I and I think in a phrase that you um, brought up, one is that you said, America is a playground of, it was either contradictions or conflictions, Whatever. Yeah, I remember saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this idea that there's a, I think, I think there, there's a, I think the modern American worldview is is very, um, I think there's a lot of internal contradictions, and but some of those are unavoidable. Like I, I have this view that like life is, I love. Paradoxes. Like I the more philosophy I read, the more the more the word paradox shows up. <laughs> well, at least the philosophy I've been right. reading, like Kierkegaard and stuff like that. But like um, um so but I guess obviously certain internal contradictions are are unavoidable, but but um I think that's kind of like what what's your kind of take on that? Like your take on either the unity or or just the conflictions that kind of make up the the modern American worldview, like you know, certain like i'll give you an example like you know some there's certain christians who i've seen or interacted with who hold to certain biblical, like they hold to quote unquote biblical christianity but yet they have let's say social views or political views which are contradictory to to, to it, and it's not that they can it's not that if they thought it through they could reconcile it it's that they haven't even thought it through and that they're simultaneously holding two contradictory views it's like an, an autonomy you know But anyways, so, like, what's kind of your take on that?
1: I mean, yeah, I I would agree that, yeah, um, that it is a playground of contradictions. Yeah, like I said, that... I love that. (laughs) We... uh, uh, Yeah, uh, with myself, I guess. (laughs) But uh, it's... Yeah, I I think that... um, the all the kind of like media, um, kind of outlets that we can engage with, um, and uh, the kind of information and stimulus that we can encounter so readily lends us to being in uh, these kind of like dissonant states, uh, um, and uh, where we we can hold mutually exclusive uh, ideals in one in one sentence, kinda. And I'm mm. I'm kind of I guess uh, uh, blanking on like very like specific examples of like in which a person uh, holds like fundamental. Well, I mean, I guess you could like even like think about like basic american principles such as like freedom and equality which are themselves kind of like mutually exclusive mm. like um how can we be equal um with each other without impinging and restricting the freedom of others um mm-hmm. to some extent yeah. and uh so i guess that's about uh the most kind of like intuitive like example i can point to because i think most Americans would agree that they hold both of those values to be integral to like the American experiment experiment. Yeah. And they are kind of, they're difficult to, you know, um, weave together in a, in a real society.
0: Exactly. And, and there's a, there's a lot of, I think, notions and, and it's, I, you see, I think more my struggle, my tension is, is are some of these just like, just naturally irreconcilable, like just given the, our human condition and given just the state of the world? Because there's, there's certain things that are, they're just difficult, you know, and I, I think, you know, obviously Hegel tried to come up with like, you know, we kind of talked about the dialectic a little bit earlier, but this idea of like a synthesis, you know, you got the you know two opposing ideas or two like ideas going against each other and and then getting like yeah, what's the truth. truth yeah 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 so but this i you know i guess what i all from a christian perspective um and i don't necessarily ad- adhere to like this um i it's kind of a denomination but not really like sort kind of this like theological uh camp so there are like there's I think a lot of it flows from these Reformation ideas of like, so Calvinism, for example. I don't know, you're probably not super familiar with it, but I think we talked about it earlier. This idea that God is absolutely sovereign, sovereign, and he chooses unconditionally humans for heaven or hell. But then also humans are at the same time held accountable right. for that, you know? And I think so, like, right, right. that's just, and that's just a natural. And not every, that that's a, that's not necessarily a um, ubiquitous um, evangelical view. I think it's a little bit more nuanced and there's a lot of um, Christians who don't hold to that view, but that's, that's one of the strongest views that flew, that, that was being held by a lot of the, that, that view was held by a lot of the Puritans, a lot of the first settlers in America. They had this very strong Calvinistic, like John Calvin heavily affected their thinking. Um, So, and I think that was, that's one of the influences per se, at least from the Christian side of things and, and Christians, we like, we reconcile those things, you know, obviously I don't fully, I don't fully agree with the Calvinistic position, but like how we reconcile certain contradictions that, you know, come up in the faith or in scripture is, is through this, just the idea of the all prevailing God and that God is, you know, it is a leap of faith, you know, where you have to kind of step out into the absurd and you're like, you're like, well, this doesn't really make a lot of sense, but you know god is god and it's kind of that appeal to authority appeal to the highest of authorities you know but anyways that's kind of just an example that's kind of and that kind of thought kind of I def, it definitely like germinated in early america you know this idea yeah, yeah. that that you could hold two views simultaneously that are as you said mutually exclusive and they still and still like you know what? yeah so
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think yeah the the so like yeah calvinists um simultaneously believe in predestination and free will which yeah like seem to be apparent like contradictions that if everything is predetermined then how can there actually be like free will um and i think that uh paradoxes like this arise um when we try to reconcile a paradigm a certain kind of like theoretical like attitude towards the world towards like the actual experience or like you know this kind of like the phenomenology of our experience um to some extent um uh and i think that like like you were um suggesting that in some sense yeah the world is probably just paradoxical um (laughs) like it's not something that can be reduced to rational terms like and be made to be consistent. Um, and, you know, there's a. Uh, uh, in, in, in mathematics, there's a very famous in during like the mid um, 20th century, a very famous man named uh, Kurt Girdle um, uh, came, came to uh, fame and notoriety uh, for his incompleteness theorems. So that, and basically, what these incompleteness theorems. Um, prove is that there are certain propositions within a logical system which cannot be proved within that system um, hmm. so like under the terms of that system and further that a system like can't be demonstrated as consistent within its system like it can't like so so yeah and-
0: distilled that down a little bit for for, for some of us listeners, I'm actually kind of, I mean it mostly, but. Uh. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, I get that. It's like, it's sort of like mystifying yeah. um, to some extent. So like, basically, like what it means is, is that like when you have like, uh, it, like, uh, so like, it has to do with like set theory <laughs> and mathematics a Ugh, lot too, and I'm the reason gonna... why that I even like. <laughs> have any kind of like knowledge of it is because of like the way that philosophers have engaged with it and uh Gödel like um you know he ex- he he created the theorem or theory uh uh or you know an kind of like philosophical intentions uh but also he had intentions like re- relating to like artificial intelligence and responding to like Alan Turing and whatnot and uh and so basically like, I think, like, what the big kind of, like, implication that you can get out of that is, is that you can't, like, prove beyond any doubt that, uh, <laughs> that a system of, like, logic, mathematics, um, a philosophical, um, system, like, uh, thinking of like formal logic or something to where, you know, you're trying to reduce proposition propositions to their like constituent parts and put them into this almost like mathematical form um, and trying to like get at like, you know, the essence of logic or something (laughs) like what he's (laughs) saying is, is that there's something that's always going to exceed that system that the system itself will create Mm -hmm. like unforeseen, um, uh, things uh phenomena propositions that um it can't itself prove it has to uh it has to uh extend outwards in some sense um take a leap of faith
0: <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so I, th- I think to to massively oversimplify this because i i think i want to kind of get into more of that analytic philosophy like get into some of those more mathematical things um but I'm not quite there yet, I would say, but I think to massively like oversimplify. So essentially there are certain things within logic, within like a logical system, you know, a set or whatever that, right. that essentially are unexplainable within that logic. So like right. there has to be in. So, and if you, I guess you, if you analogize that to the, the universe, the world and our experiences, our sexual experiences, there are certain things which cannot be explained within the confines the the capacity that we have within are the laws of the universe you know or the our subjective experiences there are things which are simply outside of it and from the christian right. worldview that means that's that in a sense is like we're we're on the way to proving like we're on our way towards proving god you know but, right, right. Uh, but, right, right. You know, but yeah yeah no yeah and i think that
1: yeah i think that's a very that's a very good point but they that there are certain truths that cannot be, yeah, contained or described, proven within the system, and it doesn't like, yeah. So yeah, it it, it the, the religious implications, you know, are yeah. I think you picked up on them. Um, yeah, to some extent. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like I have this. One of my conflictions is that I have this. You know, sometimes I'm I'm like, why why you know why it, like like you know some if I have like a doubt here or there but I'm like why isn't it more obvious why is this more obvious and then, then on the other hand then at another time I'll be like wow thank you Lord for the mystery like forgiving me like for, for yeah, this exploration yeah. you know and it's kind of it's interesting you know and thank you for but um it's man that's funny yeah, yeah. Um, I, mean,
1: I, I I tend to like think of myself as some sense as this like cultivator of mystery. <laughs> like um because I, I, I mean i have i think i have like this incredible ability to remist my remystify myself day to day <laughs> you know like that i'll like hi, like arrive at some clarity like you know so at some point in time and then you know just obscure it all again for myself so that i can maybe achieve that sense again um and and yeah I just, uh, yeah uh i tend to try to like point towards the limits always point at the limits of human knowledge and uh think of how most of what we uh that that there's a point at which and knowledge becomes conjectural and at and to a certain extent all knowledge is conjectural
0: yeah no i was gonna um, I feel you want to, to borrow the colloquialism, and I guess sort of make a pun, probably not really, but I feel you on a spiritual level. You know, <laughs> you know, that's there's like this saying, like, oh, I, you know, we we obviously we we're both um, you know, we're substitute teachers, we work with kids, you know, we hear all these these like re, like these kind of ridiculous things a lot of them say, and like I feel you on a spiritual level, and they're they're usually talking about you know uh, some sort of TikTok trend, but uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's no, I feel.
1: I, yeah, I know
0: right but I feel you there on that sense of where you you feel as if there's certain days where it's just you're like oh man it's flowing and the clarity and like wow the world makes sense and then it's just like and then like smack you know you're <laughs> that another day yeah, you're like right. you're like I feel as if I'm a boat like a boat in like uh, without a rudder and in, in water and there's a storm and I, I'm just lost, you know, and that's, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it's, but to me, I that's the, that yeah. But to me, that's the, and it's funny. That's a, I'm using a biblical image that's <laughs> how they kind of describe like people who doubt and, and it's funny though. Gosh. But like, but again, I almost, I'm almost, there's almost a sense I'm, I'm thankful. Cause I think I'm almost thankful for it that there's, it's like, it's a journey, you know, it's, it's an adventure and and it keeps life. um you know, that, and that's what I try to, like, stress, you know, I don't know, like, the more I've gotten into this stuff, the more I, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a journey, I don't know,
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 no, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a process, and, like, the, uh, I, I guess is the, the thing we're all trying to figure out is how to, like, savor it best, or, you know, uh, <laughs> Um. and sometimes we, like, ex- we mistake that for, like, wanting explanations um mm. but i don't i don't think that's really what we want um yeah uh I yeah think that at times it's something that we really would like you know we, we really need um but you know it's it's a passing it's a fleeting thing
0: yeah and i think the one you know the one the one area where i'll digress is and and this is coming from my paradigm and and, and i think how some people like some I know some of the Christian audience some of like people who from that I know will probably be like well that's just kind of an excuse to doubt scripture and doubt God and I wouldn't necessarily put it in like that far I think I think God purposely at least from my paradigm, I think God like leaves certain things for us to discover and for things to you know and and I think he kind of gives it's a great like, intimacy you know yeah exactly
1: it, like it's like it's by like leaving this void by creating this like gap that you can now traverse some distance and arrive at some sense of closeness. And yeah.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, and and yeah, I'm glad about it, but you see, it's always, there's just, there's still so many contradictions and paradoxes that I think within, within everything. And, but, and one strange sense, I think that can be something that points towards, towards something higher towards, towards, you know, God, but, but yeah, no. This is a this has been a fascinating conversation so far. I mean, I I feel bad for some of our listeners though because it's it's definitely a little bit unstructured and, and a little bit all over the place. But but hey, that's that's kind of what the American worldview is, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's messy, complicated. Yeah, it's very messy, and life itself too. You know, in general, is is you know messy, complicated, and all those things. But but that's yeah. I, that. There's a beauty in it, you know, and there's a sort of um, I don't know there's there's beauty from ashes and beauty in in you know there may be pain in the night but there's joy in the morning you know there's right. this idea that that um that, like there's these conflictions there's these inner conflicts but but there's something powerful about it that's almost I can't even really describe other than the word beauty which is you know probably um, representative yeah. of my limited vocabulary but
1: <laughs> no yeah the- there's, like, these rhythms between pain and desire and pleasure, faith and doubt, and that kind of, like, create the uh, kind of frequency that we experience. <laughs> like, that's, like, you know, that's, like, the plane that we live on is, like, in this kind of, like, um, yeah, vacillation. It's kind of, like, yeah, um, um, yeah, moving to and fro.
0: Yeah. No, and it's, um, Yeah. But I definitely, so I think we're getting, we're roughly around the time. I mean, I, I feel like the, the, probably the top, what I'm going to title this is going to be a little bit deceptive. I'm um, talking about, we kind of covered it. We covered a lot of things. Um, we right, went, right. we went real deep, but um, I'm definitely going to want to have you back on probably a lot. You'll probably be one of my more, more frequent guests. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be
1: awesome.
0: You know? So, but anyways, I guess, um I definitely want to do some episodes. You say, I think once I'm one of those people, like I got to get the broad ideas first before I got to go broad before I get narrow, you know, basically that idea, that basic idea of deductive reasoning, but like, or, or is that the other way around? Well, one of those, you know, but, uh, Yeah, yeah. so I'm definitely want to focus more on some of the, the, the implications, the worldviews of the founders themselves and, and kind of, and and obviously, you know, a heavy interest of mine a focus is America, given the fact that I'm an American citizen, you know, and I'm generally considering myself a relatively pretty patriotic fella, you know, but um, yeah, so I think I'll definitely want to do some specific episodes on the founding itself and and a lot of things, but I, I think, you know, the goal of this podcast, I think is that what we've gotten to is just getting people, getting the mind rolling and getting like critical thinking, getting people to think, getting people to reevaluate their own ideas, reevaluate their own structures that they, that they've, the boxes that they place themselves in. So hopefully if anything, I hope that's, you know, what was accomplished today, but, but I think, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Hopefully I'm going to have another episode in a week or two and I'll probably have you on again. And, but I got some other great guests and I might try to do, we might do a a larger conversation. We're going to get a round table going or, I don't know. You know, I think just, just like life itself, this is this podcast is going to be a journey and there's going to be a lot of ups and downs and a lot of maybe conflictions and different directions it goes, but yeah, it's going to be fair. fun. But, yeah. but uh, CJ, thank you so much for coming on, um, being my first guest. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry for my um, very uh, visible uh, inexperience as an interviewer. Thanks for bearing oh, no. with me. But I think we're going to, cap this one here um i appreciate you being on um, thanks for having me man yeah and but yeah of course so this is the world views all of life podcast with daniel lundstedt please turn in, tune in uh within the next couple of weeks to see what else we got we're gonna cover another broad range of stuff we're gonna talk to academics intellectuals burgeoning acad- uh, academics and intellectuals and just all sorts of people so i hope you guys are along for the ride and We will call that. All right. Thank you.